are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Only 21 years old. He's the second youngest position player now in the big leagues, but he's been so hot, he earned his way up here. When Hanniger got hurt, he grounds that one in the left field base hit. And Matos, in his very first at bat, has a big league knock. <laughs> he was pretty excited about it, too. He got the hit, and he started clapping right away. It's a, a great major league debut, and then he got introduced to Giants baseball. Well, welcome. We, we hit for you <laughs> in your first game. Being playful, of course, but um, yeah, really, really nice job to, to stay calm and deliver for us in his, in his first major league game. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe Shasky. And uh, this is episode 61 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. 61, Shasky. Did you know that Luis Matos struck out 61 times at the single A level in 2021? I thought you were going to go LeVon Hernandez wore number 61. Well, that was the other avenue I could go with as well. But yeah, 61, obviously, of course, is uh, LeVon Hernandez. And uh, I'll be honest, the reason I didn't go with 61 with, with LeVon Hernandez at 61 chassis is because uh, I was never a big uh, LeVon Hernandez fan. Uh, I remember he led the league in losses in 2000, was not a fan of that. But obviously, I kind of, I always remember game seven when I think of LeVon Hernandez and how he uh, didn't quite come through for the Giants. And I never really liked that he started that game. And I, I was very quick to move off of LeVon Hernandez when when he left the Giants. So up yeah, until but, that point, he had been something like 11 and one in the postseason. Just yeah, he actually know. nails in the postseason. I, I later know. learned, of course, he, he did have that game four against the Braves in the division series is his finest moment as a Giant. Uh, unfortunately, we needed one more fine moment from him. But a fine moment from Luis Matos yesterday, getting his first big league hit in the second pitch he saw. And we've talked about this a lot on the morning roast uh, chassis. The excitement of Luis Matos's debut. What has you super excited about Luis Matos right now? Well, I mean, I, A, it, it's a, not just one guy now. It's not just Bailey. It's not just Schmidt. It's now a wave. Like, you hear about this when four or five years ago. It's about a wave of prospects coming through. Luis Matos being 21 years old, second youngest position player in baseball to the guy Jordan Walker who's on the other team, who, you know, the, the Cardinals yesterday playing left field. I thought it was pretty special. First yeah. time I can remember being this excited about an outfielder for the Giants in like forever, like Darren Lewis style, Chili Davis style. Like that's how long it's been for most Giants fans. So I'm really excited. And then he gets a hit in his first at bat. And then he gets, you know, pinch hit for in true Giants fashion, like Gabe Kapler yeah. said. But you know what? Like all in all, what a great day. And hopefully this is the first of thousands of hits. Like truly. Yeah, no, the, 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 the palpable excitement around Matos, I think, does stem from the fact that, yeah, he has legitimate, like, this guy could be the dude kind of potential. Like, Casey Schmidt, a fine baseball player. I like Casey Schmidt a lot. Definitely think he's a part of the Giants' future. But I never look at Casey Schmidt like, oh, yeah, here we go. The dude is here. Like, when Buster Posey arrived, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's going to be a fixture in this lineup. He, this, They're going to build around this guy. I never really saw Casey Schmidt as that type. He's still a great player. He's just not the player. Patrick Bailey, kind of a similar thing. He's a guy. He's not the guy. Luis Matos, he's the first guy to arrive where it's just like, he could be that guy. Well, could uh, he be your Ronald Acuna? Could he be your Julio Rodriguez? I mean, those guys are phenoms, yeah. superstars. At this point, bro, 
I'll, I'll take being close to James Outman for the Dodgers for crying out <laughs> loud. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we're looking for. As you talk about the Dodgers, they're going to face him in a little bit and that'll be awesome for the young man to get himself acclimated. But I think the fact that he is a plus power plus contact plus speed plus defense type of a player. I mean, dare I say one of the highest prospects to come out of the outfield since Willie Mays, Bobby Bonds, like seriously. I mean, I think the Chili Davis one's a good one. I mean, the Giants have had so many just flops in the outfield yeah. over the last few years. I mean, you can, you know, rattle off such a long, long, illustrious list from Todd Linden to mm-hmm. Dan Ortmeyer. Nate Sherholtz had a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time where we Lance thought Jared Parker would be the guy. Lance Necro was Mac another Williamson. one. Mac, the, the tragedy of Mac Williamson. So it's, I'm excited for it. I, I I don't want to get like too overly excited I though, know. just because like I don't want to work myself up. But I want to believe this is going to be a different situation with Matos. I mean, the, the, the streak of flopping with outfielders in the draft has to end at some point. And why not with Luis well, Matos? Because he just he has everything that this organization needs to to be a guy who they can build around. It feels like they've done such a great job developing pitchers and infielders. Boy, if they could just hit on one of these outfielders, just one, just one. In I mean, cash- Sam, wouldn't it be awesome? Just one. I mean, the cachet that Farhan would have if he could say, hey, I snapped that outfielder in the all-star game streak. I mean, that's, that's something that multiple general managers and multiple managers over long periods of time. What, Chili Davis, when, when was his last all-star appearance? It was like 86, 87, 86, something like 87, that. 87, yeah. Yeah, so you're looking at... 35-ish years since, yeah. you know, like Ronald Reagan was in the, with the White House the last time the Giants had a homegrown outfielder. And so the, it feels like, yeah, they they have potential to finally have a guy. And again, it's one game. I'm not crowning Luis Matos. No, but he's highly rated. One game. But the hope, the, 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 the yeah. feel is there. And it's going to be exciting to watch him throughout the rest of the season because, again, you're the, the wave of young guys we have, uh, we're, we're, we're seeing on the Giants right now. Eight guys have made their debuts with the team this year. And a lot of these guys look like they're guys that are going to stick around for a long time. Luis Matos could be leading that way. It's just a very exciting time to be a Giants fan watching these guys come up. It's also an exciting time because the Giants, they're four games above 500, which is a season high. They just swept the Cardinals in St. Louis. When's the last time you could say that happened? They were 6-1 and one against the Cardinals this year, which I don't care how bad the Cardinals are. Considering the Cardinals, I always consider like if the Dodgers are the number one rival to the Giants, I always have the Cardinals at number two because they've always just longtime organizations that have been just butting heads for so long. In the There's playoffs. So nastiness in that rivalry. Great playoff series. 87 uh, yeah. 2014, 2014. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you know, the Cardinals and Cowbells, Jeff Leonard, there's the fight that Will Clark and Ozzie Smith had I think up in the eight. like wins over bad teams still count wins over yes. your rivals when they're bad, still count beating the Cardinals six out of seven times in the season. That still feels really good. So, well, and Yastrzemski coming through to complete the sweep, tying the game up uh, when it was down at two strikes and two outs in the ninth inning. That was pretty special. And then seeing Camilo Duvall go up against two, I would say two of the top eight. If I was putting together a lineup of eight guys, you know, everyday lineup of giants killers, Oh yeah. Two of the top eight all time. Arenado Goldschmidt, Duvall, Kazem back to back. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, that that's an ultimate just, yeah, smiting of the dragon. And then you have to smite the next dragon after that. It's, yeah, those two guys are literally built to make Giants fans miserable. And Camille Duvall is like, eh, no, nah, that's not a big yeah. deal. And this excitement all feels like a, it's, it's surrounding a team that maybe they could be a playoff team right now. They are two games up uh, on having a playoff spot. They currently hold that six while that sixth and final playoff spot. Two games up uh, on the next team. I think it's the Marlins right now are the the first out right now. Shasky, I mean, I don't know, is does this feel like a playoff team right now? Uh, there's a long way to go. We're not even halfway through the season. They're in the mix, and that's more than I expected. They're way yeah. farther along organizationally in my mind than they were at the beginning of the year. Forget the record. Record be damned. Schmidt, Bailey. Bailey's been a revelation. Bailey, I think, has thrown his name into the hat for Rookie of the Year. That's number one. Doval, Logan Webb. What a great contract to sign him on. It's looking better and better every single start. And then seeing Luis Matos, this feels like the organization and the tide is turning. But in terms of this season, just let's just sit in the inner tube and see where it goes. It's an inner tube season. Yeah. Like, let's let the current take us down the river. And maybe when we get to the playoffs, we, we fall a little short, but all these guys develop. I'll be cool with that. Maybe some of these guys struggle. Some of these guys develop and they make the playoffs. I'm cool with that too. Like, I just want to see the young guys go. And if we win games, great. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. I kind of agree with you there. But just looking at the way this team is built right now, the way they're playing right now, Shasky, they prior to last week, before they went to Colorado, they were 1-25 in in games in which they were trailing in the seventh inning or later. In their last eight games, four times they've come back wow. after trailing in the seventh inning or later. They're fine. Like, I think it's no coincidence that you're seeing that happening right when the lineup gets healthy. Because, again, we all know what do the Giants love to do play the matchups. Mm -hmm. We like to joke about the line changes that they do late in the games, but it's not just a joke. They do that for a reason because they want to switch out their guys and start getting those matchups on the opposing team's bullpens. That's something they're really good at. That's something they're really good at making other teams miserable when they do that. And, but if we're going to have have a serious conversation about them being playoff contenders, they're two arms short in the rotation. Yes. And that's going to suffocate their bullpen at some point. I'm really worried about their bullpen. They look great right now. But they're going to be using up a lot of oxygen over the next couple of weeks if they're going to continue to trot out the openers. It's no, just, and I, it's a I law of averages. You You're flirting with it. I agree with you there. I think that kind of ties into a conversation that they're going to eventually have to have regarding Shamanaya. We talked about him on the last episode that we did where he's been great doing that bulk roll out of the bullpen. Uh, he's he says he's not really doing a whole lot different. There's a little bit diff- some differences in his prep. Um, but for the most part, like again, he's hit, holding hitters to 187 in his six uh, appearances out of the bullpen. He's been absolutely dealing. And at some point, the Giants are going to have to figure out whether or not they would want to put him back in the rotation because the Brebia Manaya one two punch in the bullpen, like, yeah, it does work. Brebia does a great job as an opener. It's not, I don't think it's something you can really sustain going a lot going forward because, again, like, yeah, you are going to need that bullpen. The Giants' bullpen has become absolutely rock solid. And to overtax them by having all these bullpen games, I mean, it works now, but there's there's five starting pitchers on a team for a reason, Shasky. It's because you need yeah. five starting pitchers. When you're going with the bullpen games, you know, one or two times a week, that will eventually start to catch up to you. And the whole point of, you know, why they got so many arms this offseason was to avoid those bullpen games. So, if this is to be a playoff team, yeah, number one, you got to fix the starting rotation. You got to get more mm-hmm. arms in there. 
I like I'm all in on Logan Webb. You've heard me how I go off on how I think he should be an all-star. I'll keep beating that drum no matter how, you know, uh, how, how not likely it's going to happen. But Alex Cobb, hopefully he can keep it up all year long. I don't know if he'll be an all-star pitcher throughout the entire season. Anthony DiScalfani is a coin flip right now every time he takes the mound. It, it depends on whether he's getting that slider work yeah. or not. Alex Wood is kind of... Yeah, right but this now. is where this is where I think they need to be really shrewd and they got to think about getting an, an arm under team control for next year. Right. Like you want to get exactly. a guy right now. I would try to jump the line and go get Shane Bieber. And because your prospects feel very good right now across the board, maybe there's one or two that you can sell that you couldn't have sold last year. And because the entire organizational farm feels different, because that's what teams say when they want to strike a deal. Do I like your farm as a whole? Not do I like that guy or that guy or that guy? Do I like your farm as a whole? I feel like baseball is starting to recognize their farm as a whole looks a hell of a lot better this year than last year. So maybe somebody bites. Yeah. And again, around baseball, people know what Farhan Farhan Zaidi has a lot of I don't know if clout's right word, but he has a lot of respect within mm-hmm. the baseball community. You ask anyone, oh, yeah, you got a smart guy there. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to develop talent. He knows how to find talent. People know that you can get good deals or mm-hmm. you can find good players when you talk to Farhan. And so, yeah, it will be interesting to see just kind of how that does impact with the trade deadline. I don't know if you need to maybe break the bank for a major starting pitcher, Agreed. depending on just kind of what the asking price is for pitching at the trade deadline. Uh, like, I would be kind of cautious about – it's giving too much up for like a Marcus Stroman. Yes. Uh, I remember when they got Chris Bryant a couple years ago, I think they traded like their seventh and 15th ranked prospects. And I don't know. I don't have the top 20 in front of me right now, but if you can get something similar like that for a Marcus Stroman or a Shane Bieber, someone who can help you this year and next year, I would totally be okay with that because when you look up and down the rest of this roster, again, you got a bullpen that right now makes these games basically six innings long. Yeah, You can throw like a Luke Jackson or if you can get John Brebbia out of that opener role, get him late in the game. And then you get the Rogers brothers leading into Camille Doval. You could shorten this game very quickly yes. if you're the Giants. And you have a lineup that, again, is capable of coming back late in games. Like now we're seeing it. The way they handle these matchups on any given night, that was a big part of 2021 was the comeback win. I'm not saying that you could just rely on comeback wins, but you have a lineup that can at any time figure out a way to come back into this game. The top of this lineup, I'm very big on. I love having Lamont Wade Jr. and Tyro Estrada up there in the one-two spots. Love to see uh, Luis Matos getting in there. J.D. Davis, when he comes back, kind of holding things down the 3-4 spots. This lineup, it can get things going early. I agree it can with get that. Get things going late. When you have a great bullpen, you're just missing that third part of the triarchy, which is you know getting that starting rotation well, settled in. And maybe it's Kyle Harrison. I know. Well, maybe it is. I, it's asking a lot. The guy's barely gone through five innings, uh, you know, in the minors, and I know they're trying to stretch him out per se. Look, they need a they need a proven MLB veteran to me. And then Kyle Harrison slots in as your three, four, five, as opposed to your one, two, right? That's yeah. hopefully is what you're looking for, depending on how much more sustainable the Alex Cobb starts are. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Like the, the, the team looks very promising right now. Look around baseball. There are some surprises. I mean, we just talked about the Cardinals being terrible. Who has the Marlins competing for a mm-hmm. playoff spot? I didn't, and yet you look up, and here they are. And I feel like the Giants are in the mix with the Cardinal, with the Marlins. Excuse me. 
Yeah, who saw that coming? That's I think that's the thing right? that kind of is in the Giants' favor right now is that when you do look around the National League, I mean, obviously the the, the Diamondbacks are setting the standard in the National League West right now. The Dodgers are also going to make the playoffs. So that's two slots right there. Mm-hmm. Got division winners in the Central and the East. So basically, you have two wild card spots that you're playing for right now. Uh, whoever comes in second in the NL East, they're probably get one of those wild card spots. Whether it's you know the Marlins, maybe you know the Phillies get back into things. I I, I don't think the Mets are getting back into yeah. things. But outside of that, I mean, your competition for that sixth and final playoff spot, it literally could come down to the Giants versus the Marlins. It could yes. be you know that could be it. Whereas you know last year there was a lot of teams jostling for that final playoff spot. This year it's not as crowded of a field, and so. Yeah, if they can maybe stumble into a playoff appearance, that would be great. But the Giants, I feel like they're in this kind of position where if they don't make the playoffs, but you still see develop from the young guys, you could still call this season a success. Absolutely. Uh, but while we're in the mix, let's enjoy it. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. Sam, don't you play the games to win? Uh, and it feels like seeing this team kind of get back some of that late game swag with the pinch hitting, the platooning, the late game magic, if you will, from 2021. That's been fun, at least as of recently. You know it's fun when Bonte Hill's throwing papers in the air saying I'm bought into this Giants team now. That was what a great way to end the show today. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubin and Joe Shasky were coming at you every week with all the best Giants content out there. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share, post these links everywhere. We're coming at you every week. Nothing but Giants baseball talk. That's what we do. Now, Shasky, as good of a season that we are having right now as Giants fans, uh, I think the only guys who are kind of having better seasons than Giants fans with the team right now, the guys who are in charge of running the Giants. I'm talking about Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler. Uh, I don't know who you want to get into here first, but in terms of just the way fans were looking at these two last year versus how we're looking at them now, I mean, I guess let's start with Farhan here. Just from where we were on him last year to now, how big of a flip have you kind of really seen in just terms of how we're feeling towards Farhan right now. It just feels like everybody's optimistic. And that's what a couple of young players will do for you. I mean, when you're old and old and old and everything's a two year deal and a one year deal and a patchwork, it was like, come on, man. Like, and, and quite frankly, I think the Bay area more than most markets, very xenophobic. And what I mean by that is we just love when it comes to sports, we love our homegrown guys. And I don't mean homegrown as in born in the Bay Area. I mean, that came up through the ranks. Not that we won't embrace a free agent here and there or someone who's traded here and there, but the core of the recipe has got to be homegrown guys. It's weird, isn't it? I absolutely agree with you, Shasky. And like, that was why, like, obviously we wanted to see Aaron Judge become a giant. That would have been really cool. For sure. Uh, with Carlos Correa, I was excited for it, but it felt kind of like a like a shotgun or arranged marriage, really. Like, on paper, it made sense, but like I wasn't totally vibing it. Like yeah. I was going to be on board with it, but it didn't feel wholly natural. And so when that deal fell through, obviously frustrating, did not like how it did go down. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? Maybe there's a bigger picture here. And the bigger picture yeah. is that, Jesse, the Giants have been around for 140 years. It's actually the 140th year of Giants baseball, dating back to 1883. In the 140 years, they've had a lot of great stars. Tim Lincecum, Buster Posey, Barry Bonds, Will Clark, Jack Clark, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey. Go back to the New York days. You got, you know, Mel Ott, Christy Mathewson. Go all the way back to the 1800s with Amos Ruzzi and Iron Joe McGinnity and, and Buck Ewing. You know, Fred Snagos on me? We can go all those guys. Name whoever you want. Amos Ruzzi. Like, what all of those guys have in common, save for Barry Bonds, is they were all homegrown, came up 
through the organization, made their debut with the team. And the one exception there, Barry Bonds, grew up in the Giants clubhouse. He was a different kind. Whose dad played for the Giants. Yeah, he was a different kind of home. Godfather was Willie. So the Giants have always been built around that homegrown star. And going after Judge and Correa would have gone completely anathema to this. I don't know if it's a purposeful organizational philosophy to do that, but it's 140 years of history that the Giants would have been going against if they had done that. And so it just makes sense that, yeah, it has to be internal. And Farhan's finally seen these guys come up who could be these fixtures of, of the franchise. Like we just said in the last segment, it could be Luis Matos. He has that potential. Kyle Harrison has that potential. Marco Luciano, another guy. He could be that guy. And so when you have those guys who we have these franchise pillars coming up, you're starting to see the tangible results. Yeah, if I'm Farhan Zaidi, I'm walking with a little bit of a strut around that ballpark too. Yeah, no, I, and I think that the fans are starting to show out. They're starting to love their team again. Uh, this is becoming one of those I'm falling back in love with Giants baseball seasons. 1987, I think, did that for a lot of people. You could say 86 was when they started to really turn it around, mm-hmm. but 87 was when they really captured it. But it feels that way. 09 was very similar. Was Pablo Sandoval. Too, yeah. Pablo Sandoval came up um, and it seemed like, you know, they they were post bonds. You had Lincecum back to back Cy Youngs. That was the second year of the Cy Youngs for him. Pablo's your first real everyday player to come up through the farm. It felt like in forever. So it has a nice feel to it right now. And I think one of the hallmarks, whether it's the 60s, whether it's the 80s, whether it's the 2010s, when you see a wave of guys come together within a two to four year period, that's when the most success happens. And that's when you build generations of Giants fans. I I truly believe that. No, exactly. I think that's a good point. Because like at the end of the 2000s, we had that whole wave coming up. Yeah, you had a group of guys all at the same time. And it's like, you kind of get to grow up with those guys. Like for me, like, you know, I I was in high school when that wave started. But for me, like I went through high school and college and graduate through college with the same core of players. You come become deeply attached to them. Yes. And now I think, yeah, you're I mean, you're still crying about Brandon Belt. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great giant. He's one of the greatest giants of my lifetime. You know, you talk about I know Will Clark is your first baseman. Brandon Belt is my first baseman because Ugh. that's the that's the first baseman I basically no, I grew up you. with and and, and enjoyed winning Giants baseball with. It's not to say that Brandon Belt's a better first baseman. I know, than Will Clark. I know. he's not better than I'm Willie teasing. McCovey. I know, but oh, when the Giants play the Blue Jays, I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing so much Brandon Belt talk that week. Oh, are you? Oh. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you're going to do an exclusive. I am going to be the Brandon Belt stand at 95 <laughs> the game. But the more to the point, yeah, like when you have that core, when you have that vision, it's a lot easier to really enjoy what Farhan's doing because, you know, I, this is what Farhan did is very different than what Giants fans are used to. Um, I you remember know what this when, feels like right hmm. now. This feels like the montage in the movie where the fighter or the superhero starts honing their craft of their yeah, superpowers it's the Rocky Balboa or their boxing here. skills, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's what this is right now. We're in the montage stage. And a part of me kind of loves this part, the development yeah. part. It's I really part, do live for this. It's the part where Farhan runs up the steps of the Philadelphia Public I don't know Library and jumps it down at the top. Or like Gabe. <laughs> Gabe's probably doing it too. Well, Gabe's probably yeah. running up it a lot faster than Farhan is. Yeah. But um, and that's, I think it's good. T- it's a good time to get into Gabe Kapler here because he's the other side of this coin where Gabe Kapler, when he came to the Bay Area at the start of 2020, first off, Gabe Kapler's arrival to the Giants. It's one of the most surreal and insane arrivals you'd ever seen. You saw Farhan kind of hint at the end of 2019. 
Sometimes a manager fails in his first spot and then succeeds later on. And immediately Giants Twitter was like, oh, crap. He's going to go after Kapler, isn't he? Like, the it's not that the ink wasn't dry on the contract. The contract, like, there was no print on the contract at all. And Giants fans already wanted Gabe Kapler fired. He hadn't even interviewed yet. And then he does get hired. And the Bay Area media just puts on this massive hit job on him because of the mistakes he's made in the past. And it felt like when Gabe Kapler got here, I felt like there was a large segment of Giants fans that wanted him to fail simply because he wasn't Bruce Bochy. And so looking at Gabe Kapler now, I mean, talk about his turnaround. Do you feel like maybe Giants fans are kind of falling in more in line behind Gabe now than maybe a year ago? Oh, absolutely. You know, the thing with Gabe Kapler that I'm most impressed is that I had him pegged as somebody who would live and die by the Excel spreadsheet and advanced analytics and all that stuff. They've bunted how many times with a runner at third base when they couldn't Mm -hmm. drive in a guy from third base in less than two outs the last couple of years. He's pivoted off that stance. Now, you can say, Joe, they got more athletic, and maybe that's leaning into him leaning into the analytics or whatever, but that's old school baseball that I love. Him playing Tyro Estrada every single day and allowing him to fail and develop and become one of the top second basemen in baseball. That I appreciate instead of just constantly platooning him right out of the game. One um, thing I think, I, sorry, continue. No, no, I, I just, you know, finding Camilo Duvall through the ups and downs and not playing the matchups and saying, you know what? That's our best weapon. We're going to nurture him. He's going to be in the ninth inning and look where he's at a couple years later. I, I think, I think I was too quick to jump down his throat at times. I don't think he's a perfect manager. I do think he can be real tight at times. And sometimes the players can feel that way, but I got to say, I'm, I'm coming around on Gabe Kapler. I, I I really am. And I think Farhan as well has allowed Gabe to evolve. I think the two of them working in concert have pivoted off their old stubborn ways, at least my interpretation through two years. Um, and I really like what I'm watching. I, I'm enjoying this brand of baseball. Yeah. One thing I think that really, I think impresses me the most about Gabe Kapler is that he's an incredibly self-aware human being. So I remember, uh, he had just gotten hired. I went to the season ticket holder event back in December of 2019, where you got to meet Kapler, you got to meet Farhan. And I'm talking to him and I asked him, like, you know, what happened in Philadelphia? You know, like, I have friends who are Phillies fans who are just like laughing at me over this. And I told him this, like, I have Philly fans, friends who are like, just don't like you at all. And he totally understood it. Like, he got it on the one hand. He wasn't like offended or upset by me bringing that up at all. But then, two, he kind of talked about, you remember his, his first opening day where he kind of went out to the pitcher's mound and tried to bring his reliever in, but there was no one in the bullpen? Or he yes. got, you know, too rigid with Aaron Nola's pitch count. And he kind of, you know, botched a lot of decisions early on. He's a guy who learns from his mistakes. Like, he very much is. And even more so with there was the whole the, the incident with how he mishandled the sexual assault when he was the farm director with the Dodgers. I remember at that same event, almost every question he got was some sort of, what were you doing? What were you thinking? How, why did you do that? And he, I'll say it. He talked to every single fan that night and he mm. looked them in the eyes and he explained why he made a mistake there and why he learned from it and why he was trying to be better as a result as because Interesting. of it. That's not a, like now. And that's his, he's the same way with baseball. When he makes mistakes, he yeah. learns from those mistakes. He's open about how he made those mistakes and he grows from them. He's a young guy. He's only in his mid forties, you know? Hey, his, I said, he's young. I mean, come yeah, on, that's, that's considered young, uh, you know, <laughs> but that's a guy like he's still growing and learning as a manager. <laughs> Lots age. of managers have flamed out early. Tony Larusa, he didn't have the most you know sexy tenure when he first got started in Chicago. Uh, 
And then uh, Joe Torrey, he used to be the manager of St. Louis. Didn't do anything special there. Did great in New York. So yeah, managers learn, managers grow. And I think you're really starting to see that with Gabe Kapler. And yeah, he is getting less rigid. You know, he's letting guys go. He's letting Logan Webb throw an extra inning because that's his ace. He's trusting yes. his four out save for Duvall multiple times. Exactly. Like he is, he's trusting his guys. He's not as analytically driven. Like it's kind of like the, the, the big misnomer with Bruce Bochy was that he was all gut, no analytics. Yes, no, Bruce I Bochy, agree. He had, he, he was agree. looking at the, he was looking at the spreadsheet too with Gabe Kapler. It's almost like the opposite. He's all analytics, no gut Gabe Kapler. He's, I mean, he doesn't have a gut, but he's using his gut. I think <laughs> a lot more than people want to give him credit for. And yeah, he's, it's a big reason why yeah, the, the giants are seeing the turnaround. He's a big reason for it. Um, 100%. Jesse Munt, Monday night was his 450th game as manager of the Giants. That has wow. him 10th most in San Francisco Giants history. He's catching up to Felipe Alou on the, the games managed uh, list. I think that's next. Felipe Alou is at 640. All right, so um, let me know. Do you have the top 10 right in front of you? I can this pull it up if you, want, if you want to vamp for a second. I can, I can, uh, yeah, I can pull well, it up. I dropped one of my needles. I'm relacing a glove here, and I dropped one of the needles, and I keep looking down here. Uh, let me name some of them. McGraw is going to be at the top of the list. Uh, I'm yeah. going to put – let me just start naming off the top ten. When you have it, let me know. Give me a thumbs yeah. up because I'm just thinking of some of the great managers in Giants history, and I'm going to – you know, I want to name some of them. Yeah. Well, here, I, I, I can go through the list right now. So, John well, here, McGraw, let me go. I'll, I'll name them and you tell me where they land. McGraw. Right. McGraw's number one on the list at 4,400 games managed. Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy is second at 2,106 games managed. Okay, I'm going to go uh, Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker's third at 1,556. Okay, I'm going to go Roger Craig. Roger Craig is... Uh, Two, three, four, five, sixth on the list at okay. 1,052. Okay, I'm going to go. My fifth one is going to be Frank Robinson somewhere. Frank Robinson is a little further down the list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, out of the top ten. Fourteenth. He's fourteenth okay. in games managed with four with five hundred and forty one. So Gabe right. Kapler actually very close to uh, catching up to him as well. Okay, Felipe Alou. Yep, Felipe Alou's up there. He's got six forty six. All right, name the other ones. So some other names on that list, uh, Mel Ott, 1,004 as manager, Leo DeRocher, 11. DeRocher, former Dodger. Bill Terry, 1496. Bill Terry, who's also, yep, number Charlie three. Charlie Fox is at 675. Mm. And uh, also on there, so yeah, I mean, Alvin Dark, 644. Alvin so, Dark, one of the first managers of San Francisco Giants. Yeah, so Gabe, he's wow. quietly rising up this list of Giants managers in terms of how long they've been here. It's only a couple of years. In a couple of years, he'll be among, you know, the, you know, six or seven most longest tenured San Francisco Giants managers. So Gabe, he's, he's showing, he's showing some sticking power. And I believe what next year his, his contract is up. Yes. So and him and Farhan, I believe, had aligned contracts. Well, at least his would end when Farhan's would end, I believe. Yeah, and I know the Giants usually like to do it that way. It's kind of nice to have the, that pairing there. So I think both of them have are very much in line to get extensions, possibly this offseason. I, I and agree. You're showing a turnaround there. And yeah, Gabe Kapler, he's showing that he can he can lead a stable clubhouse and keep this team in contention. And he knows how to handle those those late inning matchups. And it's just from where these two were a yeah. year ago versus now, the turnaround is incredible. It and really is. So hopefully they can keep it going. I'm again, I, I tried not to get too down on them last year. I'm staying on the other. I'm 
kind of going with it, trying not to get too up on them this year. But I, I agree with that. They're Let's moving see in the how right this direction. Year finishes yeah. too. I want to really see how this year finishes. Like I, I'm no longer looking at them and thinking, "Wow, I wish that the old regime was here." Um, I agree. Like I think, and that right there is is a massive improvement on that front. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Joe Shasky and Joe Shasky's dog coming at you every week with all the best Giants content. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, reviewing, sharing all the time because again two times a week sometimes one we're coming at you with some pretty good giants content mainly because the giants are giving us lots of good content to work with shasky we are a about a month away from the midsummer classic major league baseball's all-star game happening at uh safeco is it still safeco field i still call yes. it safeco field yeah um, I, I don't keep track of these name changes but we are a month away from baseball's all-star game i think we already know for sure that Camilo Doval is a lock to make the game, uh, right. but I'm kind of curious, you know, who else might join him? So uh, a couple weeks ago for the station, I kind of wrote about this kind of saying, you know, who could the Giants All-Stars be this year? I, I, I divided into five very simple categories. You got your everybody gets one. You no, know, no matter what, everyone gets one All-Star. That's probably going to be Doval. Okay. You got your locks. Those are the guys who write them in an ink. They will be at the All-Star game this year. You got your guys who should be in, in that they're played well enough to warrant a selection, but they might get snubbed. Guys who are on the bubble, or you know, guys, they, they, these guys have played very well. Maybe they get in, maybe they don't, but you're not going to shake a stick if they don't get in. And then you got your guys on the outside looking in. Those guys who have had great seasons, but you're not going to an All Star game right now. So that's kind of how I had divided it. Um, I don't know if you want to use a similar system there, but outside of Camilo Duvall. Who would you say is the safest bet to to join him on the sideline in Seattle? I like Tyra Shada. I think Tyra Shada, defensively, number one rated player by advanced metrics, defensively at second base, and then offensively, he's been a catalyst for what they've done all year. Um, they had a little scuffle when he was injured. You know, like yeah. the team just did not look as good. Uh, and I think that's because of his offensive jolt. So I'm going to go with Tyra Shada, though. I really believe that. Your boy Lamont Wade Jr. has an unbelievable opportunity to get into into the into the race as well. His on base percentage is phenomenal. Yeah, I think Estrada is probably the safest bet there. Uh, Luis Arias out of Miami's probably get the start because he's flirting with yes. four hundred right now. Outside of that, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of who might bump Estrada out there. But yeah, it's it's this, the second base position. It's always kind of a weird one. I don't. I'm not totally sure who else would really get in there. Um, the infield can be crowded in the National League. But yeah, Lamont Wade Jr., though, that's an interesting one because, again, you don't see a lot of leadoff hitters who play first base. That's yes. not a leadoff position. He's he's a good point. A fat, he's not really when you look at Lamont Wade Jr., you don't think of speed in the way you no. would like, say, Estuary Ruiz with the A's yes. or Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves, guys who they look like they're speedsters, but he's still got a little bit of scoot in there. Mm -hmm. But Lamont Wade's thing is, yeah, he gets on base a lot. He's got some good power really in there good defensively. He's incredibly good defensively. The problem there is that first base is always super stacked. Goldschmidt, and the former Ashley, MVP. Yeah. Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso is going to be in yeah. there. So it's that Matt cool. Olson who's having a monster year. It, it's going to be tough kind of cracking that numbers game. Um, he would be an interesting one. And uh, what about Conforto? That's another one where the outfield gets very crowded very quickly. I and Conforto, I feel like I, I had him as a guy who maybe should be in. And I think he's definitely played well enough. He had that really hot stretch in the middle of May that I feel like is kind of carrying most of his all-star uh, credibility. Yeah. I, I, I would like to see more of that and Conforto. to make. What about J.D. Davis? J.D. Davis is a guy who it just 
he should be an all-star. That's why guy who I put, I just, when you look, he is at the top of almost every single metric uh, amongst third basemen. He's okay. outplaying Nolan, Nolan Arenado. He's outplaying some of the best third base, like out, aside from Max Muncie, no third baseman is playing an overall better game right now than J.D. Davis. Okay. The mix of defense and offense is just, and he has just, he has been a rock in the Giants lineup. Incredibly dependable. It sucks that he's going to be out for the next week or so with a sprained ankle. The problem with J.D. Davis is that he doesn't have that name recognition that usually yeah. the All-Star game likes. Uh, so he's probably not going to get the fan vote unless Giants fans kind of do what they did in 2012 and just overstuff the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets in on like the final vote kind of thing. Um, but I think J.D. Davis, the fact is just, just people don't really know who he is. Yeah. And you kind of that that's kind of where the all-star game is it about, you know, the best players or is it about yeah. the most popular players is it about the guys who it's had all it's all how, of those things. How much does last year come into focus? That, that's why with the all-star game, I'm glad well, like Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the top vote getters. I mean, he was suspended for pretty much all of last year at the beginning of this year. I feel like he's getting in. Yeah, no, he probably will because he is a popular player exactly. who Major League Baseball tabs as he's going to be a guy who brings young fans to the park. Yes. And so as as long as that's the case, yeah, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., they're always going to probably be at the yeah. All-Star game and probably at the expense of a guy like a J.D. Davis. Um, one guy I want to throw out there, this is one we've talked about quite a bit, is Logan Webb. Can Logan Webb find his way into the All-Star game? I, I know I, I I've just, been saying the drum. I know. Where, where do you stand on that right now? Look, you guys can all tell me that win-loss record doesn't matter, but it does. To me, it does. I mean, you're winning the game, giving your team the lead, handing the ball late in games still matters. Can de- can the bullpen blow it? Yeah, but he's got six losses, right? Mm-hmm. He's under 500 right now, I still believe. Five and six, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Even if it was reversed, six and five, I still don't think he gets in. There's just, a, yeah. it's crowded. I mean, you got Spencer Strider, who's blown away right now, just been absolutely phenomenal. Clayton Kershaw's been phenomenal. There are a lot of starting pitchers. Yeah, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly in Arizona, they're tearing yeah. it up. That being um, said, maybe he's a sub. I don't know. That's what I kind of think would be the case with Logan Webb, too, because. The, the, you look at the all-star con- roster construction, you're probably figuring at least eight to seven or eight starting pitchers are going to okay. be selected. So you got to figure, okay, the eight best starting pitchers right now. I think Logan Webb's in that nine to 12 range. I in agree. Terms of nationally starting I agree. Pitchers. So I agree. that's where I think the, the, the subs really kind of come and in. And then what about like when, when a team like the Rockies, who's going to be the Rockies? Yeah. That's you the, know, the, like, I, I don't even know if they have too. someone yeah. who's a starter that would qualify, but like, you know, last year, Mantiply got it from the bullpen from Arizona. He was not an all-star last no. year, but he was their all-star nod, and he was out of the bullpen. Could a, a crummy team, Chicago Cubs, you know? Yeah. It, could, it be, could it be Marcus Stroman or yeah. Liam Hendricks, even though they're not really deserving, but you have to fill that spot. I think, yeah, that's probably going to be a numbers game that forces Logan Webb out of the all-star yeah. game. The one uh, saving grace, I think, for Logan Webb is that Anyone who pitches on Sunday obviously is not eligible to take part in the game. So every year there's these one or two starting pitchers who end up getting the call on Sunday. They still toe the line in the game on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. but they're not going to pitch in the game. And that's when that's, I think Logan Webb's best chance to make yes. it in is someone like Spencer Strider or Zach Gallon. They pitch on that Sunday and Logan Webb, I think should be one of the first three or four pitchers who are called to replace uh, those guys. I think that's his best hope there. Uh, lastly, um, 
Alex Cobb, do you think he can find a way to kind of get into the game? He's got to a great start. I feel like he's kind of slowing down a little bit, Come though. On, no. Now we're reaching. We're reaching I mean, the bottom of the barrel. That, that's reaching. Don't hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yeah. your oblique. You're going <laughs> to end up on the DL like Mitch Hanley. Uh, no, we're fish around the bottom of the barrel. I can feel the bottom of there. The last name I want to throw out there, he okay. has no shot of getting into the All-Star game, but I do think he deserves some sort of a shout-out for how well he's pitched this year. It's Tyler Rogers. No, I agree. I would love to see two bullpen guys get picked, yeah. Camillo and one other, because that would really, uh, that would really, to me, exemplify what really has happened for the Giants in the first half. The bullpen has carried the staff. Yeah, and Tyler Rogers. Again, I've always been a fan of Tyler Rogers. We always talk about our Bonte and I's famous uh, civil <laughs> discussion about Tyler Rogers, but. My thing is, I, I love a I love a good submariner. You do. I, I hated Young Young Kim when I was a kid, watching him when he was pitching the Diamondbacks. I was so jealous of A's fans that they got to enjoy Chad Bradford. I always enjoyed watching Brad Ziegler pitch. When you have a good submariner, it's just oh, so cool. You did not like, go Brad Ziegler. I did go Brad Ziegler. It's fun to watch submariners. Like I give, just, you know what? When I'm, you have I'm a good you. submarine pitcher, it's just so cool. I know. It just is. And I so Tyler, Rich, if the Giants were like you know, 25 and 45 right now or something like that. Just an abysmal going nowhere team. Uh Tyler Rogers is probably your all-star. I agree. But the Giants, unfortunately, they're they're, they're good enough to where they have other guys who can rep the team. Look, how excited are you for this Dodgers series coming up? No, I was just about to get into it because the last time the Giants played the Dodgers, it was not a pretty sight. They took two or three and they just, the Giants looked like they were not in the Dodgers league. I agree. This is a completely different Giants team now. And, Going into L.A., Dodgers, their bullpen is bigly scuffling right now. They Their bullpen's got a 490 ERA on the season, Shasky. That's the second worst in baseball. Wow. Behind, just only the A's have a worse bullpen right now. Wow. And that is not a bullpen you want to have uh, in your company. Uh, I mean, the Giants, for the most part... Their bullpen is all around better than the Dodgers. Uh, Fielding independent pitching. Giants, eighth in the league. Dodgers, 24th. Giants, much better at uh, leaving guys on base. Their bullpen is uh, 71%. Dodgers, 69%. So they're close there. Um, Batting average against. Giants are holding hitters to uh, 226. Their their bullpen is. Dodgers bullpen is 255, which is second worst in baseball behind the A's and above the Nationals. Like this bullpen is a big train wreck right now. And the Giants are a team that's doing some damage in the late innings right now. I'm excited because I think you have a chance to really make a statement in this series if you can take two or three against the Dodgers. I'm 100% with you. And to me, you're feeling the, the tide of the entire NL West shift this year. Padres and Dodgers, we thought, were going to be the teams for the formidable future. Uh, is it the Arizona Diamondbacks followed by the Giants moving forward? And I was actually just about to pose that same question to you, Shassi. Do you still look at the Dodgers as no. the standard bearers in the West? I asked Farhan no. this question in the, no. in the end of the season presser last year. How do you close the gap? And the first thing he said was, like, yeah, the Dodgers, they set the standard in the NL West. So, you, Well, right now, Corbin... Corbin Carroll is uh, the MVP. To me, he's the MVP of the league right yeah. now. I would take him as At least an MVP in the NL West team. right now. Yeah, yes. I mean, maybe Acuna gets in there, but you know, Sean Murphy's going to be. Yeah, I agree. Corbin Carroll is he is that dude right now. He's in amazing. The he's so much fun to watch. Right he's a hybrid of Jacoby Ellsbury, Kenny, Kenny Lofton, and my guy Grady Sizemore. I mean, he's all my favorite players rolled into one. Yeah. I'm not ready quite yet to declare the Dodgers dead as the standard bearer in the NL West because 
they still have one of the best farm systems yeah, in baseball. I know. They can still acquire anybody they want I the know. trade deadline without giving up one of their top three, four, five prospects. They have a system in place to where you're seeing with James Outman. They're just going to keep seeing guys like that. These guys who just come out of nowhere of their farm system and then just start playing really, really good baseball. And a lot of people, I think, want like to point out the Dodgers offseason. Oh, they're slowing down. They're not as good anymore. They're kind of scaling things back. The reason the Dodgers did not spend a lot of money in the offseason is because they are getting ready to drop the fattest check imaginable on Shohei Otani this winter. And I say this to anybody who will listen to me. I fully expect Otani to be a Dodger next year. And when that happens, this whole are the Dodgers the standard of the wet of the NL West still? It's not even gonna be a conversation because they will still yet oh, again be you. the standard. I, I know hate I hate you. it too. I hate it too. I, I feel gross just saying it. But I feel like if you're a Giants fan, the sooner you can come to terms with that, the better off you're going to be. That's just where the Dodgers, they they are an evil empire. I call them the Death Star. They are a Death Star. They're going to keep being a Death Star for the foreseeable future. That's just, I think that's just where they're at right now. They're a very well-run and deep-pocketed organization. And you, know, you see like the, with the Padres, they could be running out of cash a lot sooner than yeah. I think they expected. The Arizona Dimebacks, has, have, we, have we ever looked at the Dimebacks and be like, oh yeah, look at the money bags they got. The Dodgers, they have the resources to outlast the, the Padres and Diamondbacks. The one team in this division that I think can match them resource for resource, it's the Giants. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. But I, look, I just think the Diamondbacks have been very fiscally responsible and they're building something special. I really do. Oh, yeah, they very much. I, and I think because they're Arizona, we laugh at them. But I don't know. I really like what they're doing right now. But I love where the Giants are at. I do. So this uh, a very fun weekend coming up yeah. in L.A. Quite the quite the pitching matchups we have announced right, right now. Shasky, you ready for this? So uh, Friday night's game, we got TBD going against TBD. <sighs> Run's going to be out of premium there. Uh, Saturday, we got TBD going against Bobby Miller, oh, who's nice. uh, only made a few starts. He's 3-0 with a .78 ERA and 23 innings pitched. Another one of those farm system guys that the Dodgers love making love making the Giants fans miserable with and then Sunday it's uh it's it's TBD going against Tony Gonsolin so oh TBD against Tony Gonsolin a little bit of gamesmanship here by the Giants or it's because we just don't know who any of their starting pitchers are right now maybe Sean Mania gets a start this weekend I guess maybe that could be our final thought to Sean Mania get a start this weekend about time let's see him do something yeah, I, I would like to see him too because, again, he's been pitching well enough. And again, the Giants might not have any choice but to yeah, that's uh, a good in point. The starting rotation. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, the Giants can take two or three against a scuffling Dodgers bullpen. Uh, Dodgers blue bullpen threw a 4 2 lead against the White Sox on uh, Wednesday night. Um, yeah, it's not pretty. Dave Roberts said after the, the loss last night, it's very frustrating and they have to do better. It's not workload, it's not the wrong lanes or the right lanes. It's they need to be better, period. That's what Dave Roberts said last night after the Dodgers bullpen blew a 4-2 lead and wasted a gem from Clayton Kershaw. And the Giants don't get to see Clayton Kershaw this weekend. It's a miracle. It really is a miracle. Christmas miracle. It really is. So anyway, for Joe Shasky, I am Sam Loveman. This is the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We will be back next week to talk about this Giants-Dodgers series and then a big homestand against the Padres and Diamondbacks on the other side. So until then, we will see you on the next one.